0: If you have your Bibles, grab those. we are going to be in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, we are in this series uh, of discipleship. We're just uh, taking our time walking through the Great Commission. Uh, We'll look at some other scriptures and things like that throughout this series. Um, but, But that's what we're doing. We're just walking through what it means to be a disciple. Uh, and so what we're going to do is the next couple weeks is we're going to really kind of dive into uh, the how. Dive into the how. But, but last week what we did is we just defined it. We just defined what a disciple was. We looked in the scriptures and we found in Matthew 4, uh, there's three aspects there. Is Jesus calls them to be his disciples. And so we just, we just looked at that and really defined it. And we, we, we understand that for us here at New Life, when we say disciple, when we uh, uh, make that comment or use that word or talk about discipleship, th- this is what we mean. This is what we mean to be a disciple. One, that they are following Christ, that they've been born again, that they've been saved, that they've come to a a realization of their lostness and their need for Jesus, and they enter into relationship with Christ through faith, uh, by seeing and understanding that they are sinful in need, by understanding that that the cross of Christ uh, uh, makes payment for their sin is a sacrifice for their sin. The second aspect in that scripture in Matthew 4 uh, that Jesus says is, uh, I will make you. So the second aspect in discipleship is to be changed. Uh, we, we used a word last week called progressive sanctification, whereby it's a process where, where through the Holy Spirit, uh, God uses the Holy Spirit to shape and mold us all the more into the image of Christ. And so I made the comment that we should be further along Today. And then we were this time last year in our relationship with Christ, in our walk with Christ as it pertains to our affections and our desires, us looking more like Jesus and less like us. And the third aspect was to be a fisher of men. And it just simply means this: to be on mission with Jesus. To to be about what Jesus is about, to have the heart of Christ in us. And as a result of that, uh, we want to be his hands and feet in this world. We want to do what he has called us to do, what he's given us the commission to do. And it's to be on Jesus, to make disciples of his. And so when we talk about uh, being a disciple, when we talk about discipleship, that's what we mean. Every time we talk about it, those three aspects is what we're talking about. And, And so just to let you know, the first aspect has to be there. You can't be a disciple. You have to be born again. You have to have come to faith in Jesus Christ. And then the other two aspects are ones that are, uh, that are being worked on, uh, ones that the Holy Spirit is, is helping us see better, helping us uh, be sh- uh, changed and shaped and molded all the more into the image of Christ and gets us out of our comfort zone, helps us to walk out in glad obedience. What Christ has called us to. And so all of that was last week. If you missed that, you can, uh, you can see that on our YouTube page, on our Facebook page, on our app. And uh, so this morning, what we're going to do is simply this, is we're just going to look at the how, the how of disciple making. We're going to continue to walk through this scripture. And we're just going to see right there in the Great Commission, I believe Jesus gives us some instructions on how to do this. And I don't know if you've read the Great Commission before, you're familiar with this scripture, uh, but I think what happens so often is we look at it, we see it, we know it, yeah, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing, teaching, da-da-da, and we just kind of keep on going. And then we want to jump to the book of Acts and kind of see it lived out a little more. But in there, nestled in, I think we miss what Jesus is saying on the how. It's kind of like this. Um, so we uh, we'd gotten some patio furniture a few months back um, and so we get this patio furniture there's these two swivel rocker chairs that, that we get that's with it and um, we, we we have it and I'm unboxing it as I'm unboxing it I'm looking at it and there there are like there's four pieces that's it there's a back uh, there's the piece you sit in with the arms there's a base and then there's the the rocker mechanism and that's it and so, I, like, I'm I'm a guy, I'm a dude, like I'm I'm the man, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and there's these things come in this box called instructions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, don't don't press that on me. So I'm like, so I'm unboxing it. I'm looking at. i like, there's four pieces and like ten screws. How hard can this be? And they even give you the instruments to, or the the, uh, the the tools to put it together. I'm a step ahead of them. I got a power joe yo. You know what I'm saying? Like the one piece of heavy equipment that my wife allows me to have <laughs> is a battery-operated power drill. And I have got that thing, and I get like the, the little end piece. I don't even know this. Like the little end piece, the head, the bit. What, the bit? Yeah, the bit. That thing, yeah. Stick that in the end. I get it fixed. I'm ready to go. Instructions over there, not needed. And so I begin to work on this thing. Four pieces, 10 bolts. And I'm like, like 25 minutes into this, and I'm like, okay, I got you. So I walk back over. I get the instructions. I pull them out. I take it apart, and I begin to do it. and I put it together, and work on it, and form it, and fashion it. Ah, there it is. And that thing swivels and rocks like a boss, and it holds me. So I've, I've completed the task. But now there's another. So now, like, I'm an expert in this thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I've, I've done one. I mean, just repeat the steps. Instructions don't need you. I'm going at it again. 45 minutes later, this thing's sitting 10 inches higher than the other one. There is no swivel or rock anywhere in that thing. mayor doesn't like it being that much higher than the other. I mean, this is options. If we have tall people come over one day, that'll give them a place to sit. She's not having it. Fine, you go in and what do I do? I have to go back to the instructions, pull them out, spend another 15, 20 minutes taking the thing apart, only to have to follow the instructions again to put it back together. And so I do it, I get it. Now I've got, we've got two nice swivel chairs that said equally high for tall and short people that can swivel and rock to your heart's desire is met. And so we, I just I, I look at that and I think about that when we look at the Great Commission. I, th- I think of that story. Of, of, of That's kind of us, I believe. Uh, like, like, like Jesus has given us in that how to do it, how, how to make disciples. He, he's given us some, some little nuggets there that we can look at, that we can see, that we can uh, uh, just dive into and walk out further. But I think sometimes we just get in a hurry or sometimes uh, we think it's too hard or sometimes we just don't think we have the right equipment to put it together and do it or, or to live it out and to walk it out. And, and, and he's put it right there for us. That if we just stop for a moment, look at what we're reading, think about what Jesus is saying, and ask the Holy Spirit to help us. I believe that he will give us everything that we need to do this. Because I don't know where you're at whenever I say, hey, God has called every one of us in this room who takes the name of Jesus. Like if you're a born again believer this morning in this place, the call on your life that you don't have to pray about, you don't have to think about, you don't have to seek out, you don't have to open up, the, the call on your life as a believer this morning is to live out this scripture in glad obedience and make disciples. To go make a disciples. You don't need to pray about They may need to pray about who. But the call in your life, every one of us, is to be making disciples, and Jesus gives it to us right here. So I'm going to ask you join me one more time as we pray, and then we'll jump into Matthew 28. Father, love you so much. And God, God, I, I recognize and acknowledge my great need for you, our great need for you. And so, Lord, as we open up your word this morning, I just pray, Father, that you would fall heavy on this place. Father, help us see, maybe for the first time, what it is you've called us to. God, whether that's maybe inviting us into salvation, or Father, maybe that's inviting us in to be a part of what you've called us to be about and to do. So God, I ask this morning, Lord, that you move. Help us see that you've equipped us and that you've given us. God. Every song we've sung this morning has, been, has talked about your faithfulness, has pointed to the reality of, of your goodness and how you're right there with us. Father, help us, help us feel that this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, wrap your arms around us and remind us of how much you've got us. Father, your desire is for this to be accomplished and to happen far more than it is for us to obey. Help us match up with that this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, this is what Jesus says in the Great Commission. He says this. He says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we miss this, but I believe this is so good. It doesn't seem like much, but it's right there. Go there for, make disciples, baptizing them. Uh, this, this, is, this is very, very important. I think we just kind of waxed out, okay, cool, baptism, let's just go on about our day. But why baptizing? Why, as a disciple maker, are we called to baptize? What does that mean? What does that shed light into? What is baptism? Because baptism isn't a completion of salvation, Baptism, that's not what baptism is. It doesn't finalize salvation or finally you're in now and you can... That, that's not what baptism is. That, that's not what we see in the scriptures. But what we do know is this, is that baptism is for who? It's for a born-again believer. It's for someone who has come to faith in Jesus Christ and has been, uh, been born again, been made alive. What baptism is, is this, is this a person proclaiming to the world that they've been made alive and that they belong to Jesus. I mean, I love whenever I have a chance to talk to kids and I can uh, remember a few years ago, God just working on my boy's heart and I got to sit down with him and he wanted to be baptized and um, as we begin to talk about what baptism is and kind of share with him, uh, the, the easiest way I know to explain it to a kid is this, is God saved you, he's made you alive and now what he wants you to do is he wants you to identify to this world that you belong to him. And so I asked him, like, what, what's your favorite team? And they'll tell me what their favorite team is. It's, I said, it's, it's almost like this, it's like you're putting on that shirt now that, that you're a part of that team. That that's the team you're cheering for. That's who you belong to. That's the one that you root for. That's the one that you're you're immersed in. And I say, that's what baptism is for the believer. It's us putting on that shirt and being identified as one of those, belonging to that team. Following that leader, that, that man, Jesus, being a part of God's family. That's what baptism is. Proclaiming to the world, I don't care what you think, what you say. This is who I belong to. I've stepped out in faith. I've been made alive. It's just symbolic, so symbolic, buried in his death, raised to walk in newness of life. And what we're doing is we're saying that we believe, and we do this symbolic act by where the old man is dead and the new man is raised to life. And the only one that does that is through Jesus And so I just believe it gives us a great insight of the first part of disciple making here. I believe that it really just sheds light for us on on what that means and what that looks like and what what he's saying here. And, And the first thing that we see is this, is that we need to be about sharing the gospel. The first thing that we need to do is we need to share the gospel, the first how. Because what you 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 get baptized after salvation. That's when baptism takes place, is after someone has come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so it just lets us know that we need to share the gospel. We need to tell the world about Jesus. We need to evangelize, is the word that we use. And evangelism is just telling people about Jesus, telling them the, the truth about the gospel. I love what Paul says over in the book of Romans. Uh, Romans 116, he says this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So Paul writing this letter to the church in Rome says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to uh, shy away from it. I'm not going uh, to not, not talk about it. I'm not going to live it out. I'm, I'm, there's no shame in me as it pertains to the gospel. And he goes on and tells them why. He says this. He says, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So, so what we hold in our hands, what we hold in our heart, what we know to be true is that, is that uh, the gospel is powerful. The gospel is what ignites curiosity, what ignites in the heart of lost man their great need for Jesus, what draws them and and woos them in is whenever you tell them the truth about themselves, which we already know, don't we? We know that we're broken and busted up and messed up and have issues. We know that we can't keep it all together. I mean, I couldn't even put a swivel rocker chair together. And I've got a college education and three kids. And if I can help raise three kids, I can put a swivel chair together. If I've got instructions... And so we know that we've got issues. We know that we have shortcomings. We know that we have hang-ups. Even the lost world knows that. They, they know that there's something that has went horrifically wrong. And so the good news is that we've got the answer. And Paul just reminds the believers there in Rome, don't, don't be ashamed of that. Don't feel shame. Don't be ashamed. Don't, don't have fear. Be scared of that. Because it's the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So every one of us in this room this morning, the way, that we, the way that we have been born again is because we've heard the gospel and in that God has ignited in us and has awakened in us this reality of our lostness and need for Him. He woos us in and He saves us. It's because of the good news of the gospel. So He uses that to make us aware of our condition and our need. And the great news is for us as believers, what we see here in the Great Commission, what we're, what we're made aware of here in the Great Commission is that we have the privilege and honor of telling other people. That he has commissioned us to do that. Go make disciples. As he says, go make disciples of all nations. A part of that is sharing our faith. A part of that is telling people the truth about who Jesus is. Telling people the truth about who we are. What he's done. I, I'd, I'd read a statistic a while back, and I, I just always mention this, and it just blows my mind. Blows my mind. And that statistic says this, is that 90% of people will die without ever sharing their faith. Nine out of ten people in this room, believers, We'll die and we'll have never told anyone the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That blows my mind. Blows my mind. But we'll tell them the good news about Clemson football. We'll tell them the good news about Gamecock football. We'll tell them the good news about Tom Brady retiring so finally another team can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I mean, we will talk to strangers about crazy stuff. People we sit next to here and there and wherever at the restaurant. But we won't tell them about the love of our life. Or so we would say, is the love of our life. Nine out of ten will die without ever sharing the gospel. so, So, two reasons why I believe that we don't share the gospel that's kind of there is this. First one is fear. I think sometimes we let fear, fear is a great motivator from time to time, but fear can also be a great uh, disabler as well. And I think what happens is we let fear disable us. We let fear uh, uh, control us in a way that's, that's not healthy and good. Sometimes fear will cause me to get my tail in action and do something, but sometimes fear will also kick in and just cause me to freeze up. And my fear is, that, is that's what happens is that we, because of fear, we just freeze up and we don't. We just kind of skirt the issue. We just don't want to bring it up or we don't want to offend or we don't want to upset or we don't want to, uh, I mean, they're my friend right now. And if I, hear me, if you tell somebody about Jesus and they're your friend and they don't become your friend because of that, they were never your friend. That would have been a great place for an amen. There we go. I'll, I'll Stick with me. We'll get there. You hear what I'm saying? The greatest love of your life should be Jesus, and if, if that hurts someone's feelings or offends them, and hear me, and now, now follow me here, because I believe the church, we've done a horrific job at telling people about Jesus sometimes, and it has hurt us. But I mean, there, there's a right and good way to do that. There, there's a loving and gracious way to do that. And we're called to share. And so I think sometimes fear kind of kicks in. What will they think? Or what if they, what if they ask a question that I don't know the answer to? Um, what will I do there? Well, you, you don't answer that question. You say, hey, let me get back to you. Let me try to figure it out. Man, that's a great question. Let me, let me do some research. Let me look into it. Let me try to figure out. You're right. That's a, I mean, that's fine. Hear me. There are more questions. I've got more questions than I do answers when it comes to the things of God. Paul says there's Shame. I mean, we live in a day and age. It's all about relative truth, right? Meaning, what's true for you may not be true for me, and we just don't want to offend. We don't want to upset. We don't want to. We don't want to push on someone something that may be offensive or looked as as bigotry or hate speech, or or we don't want to be a a Bible thumper. And so we want to be very, very careful. I mean, we don't want to disrupt or upset. All the while, what we do is we just love them straight on to hell by not sharing. Well, because there's shame, we're fearful, we're afraid of what may happen if we do. And there's always kind of this like, weird stigma out there, isn't there? Uh, people that want nothing to do with God always know the most about God. And, and like the statement that will be made all the time is "As a loving God would never do. A loving God would never do. And, and the false assumption that comes with that statement is this, is, that, is their definition of love is skewed. Their definition of love is off. Because all I know is that I see and I get to read and I get to dive into what a loving God does and doesn't do. And what I do see is a loving God do, uh, do some, some pretty tough things sometimes. Because our definition in this culture, in this world for love is so jacked up and messed up, is it not? I mean, think about it for a second. Like, I make comments like this. I don't know about you, but I mean, I love tacos. Any, any taco lovers? Give me some Mexican, dude. I'm in. After this, I would love to go with your family and talk more about... Whatever it is that you need to. You give me some queso and soft. I'm in. Ugh. So I say that I love tacos, but then I also, in the next breath, say that I love my wife. I love my kids. I love my family. Is that the same word for love? All I know is, is boo thing sitting in here, and if it is, I'm going to be in trouble afterwards. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like our definition for love in this world, we, use, we overuse it all the time. And we, we rob it of its meaning and its truth and we even try to push it into, into the Christian arena of things. And we try to push it onto God what, what love is. What, what, we try to help Him define what He means by love and it's, it's so messed up and especially the lost world just drags us off in that. And then the second assumption in that is, just, is that God's actions and motives can't be right. Just can't be right if it's not understood or aligned with our culture. It just, it just can't be. As if the lost world is defining, the lost world is giving parameters of what God, God don't need our help defining who he is and what he is and isn't. He is, and we have opportunity to walk in and learn and grow and know what he is. And so we as the disciplees just tell what Jesus, the disciple-maker, has said. That's what we do. And we do it in a loving, gracious, caring way. That's, that's how we do it. We share our faith and we do it in a loving, gracious way. And I think it's one of those things that should be done over and over and over for a period of time. I can remember years ago uh, a statistic came out that it said that, that, that most, people, most people after s- the seventh time of hearing the gospel shared will come to faith. It usually takes seven times of sharing the gospel with someone before they, before they hear it before the Holy Spirit is, is able to just soften that heart in a way to where they can receive it and, and, and start to look at it and allow God to start to do a work in their heart seven times. And so I just think maybe that's a good way to do it, is to engage people in relationship. And as we do that and we walk with them, to be able to give them a little bit of Jesus here and there and share with them here and there. Walk with them here and there, giving them truth. I think the second how, we see the second how of this. He goes on, he says this, baptizing them, and then he says it's to teach them, or to teach them, and so I know a lot of times when we talk about teaching, we, we think of like a lecturer uh, or something like this, and we get, we get people here, we, we draw a crowd, we have, have the, the podium, and we just start to go at it, that, that's not what this means here, teaching them is, is, is not this, not a gathering like this, but teaching them is, is as you go, as you're walking with, as you're doing life with, you begin to teach and you begin to tell them the truth about who Jesus is. You help, help them understand and see and, and come to a, a greater understanding of who Christ is and what he's done for them. So, so we're to teach them, those that we meet, as we're going, our circles of life, our circles of influence. Just, just want to press you here for a minute. And I don't, want you, I don't want you to respond, but I just want you to think for a second. I just wanted you to ask just the Holy Spirit just to maybe just to reveal for a moment, just, just, this is just kind of, I just, want, I just want to press for a second and, and see where, you, where you're at with this. Like I said, don't answer out loud, but, but this, do you know if the thems in your life are born again? And I'm not talking about a nice person. I'm not talking about they're so sweet or they bring me candy sometimes or, uh, or they do this or they do that. I mean, have you, have you had that conversation with them? I like Joe at work. Hey, Joe, hey, have you. T- tell me about your faith, man. T- tell, me, tell me your faith story. When did you come to know Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because, see, I would probably press us in a way here that if, that if we're not on that level with people, we're not truly doing relationship with. If we're not at that place, well, that's offensive, or that's. Uh, I'm a believer, and it does not offend me when somebody asks to hear my faith story. You as a believer, that shouldn't offend you. Now, if you're in the middle of doing something that you shouldn't be doing, and then they kind of do that, oh, okay, tell me, about, tell me about this Jesus guy that you supposedly follow and love. That's very offensive. Why? Because I'm in the middle of doing something I shouldn't be doing, and that's called conviction. That's called you calling me out, and that's usually where we kind of do like that, like that little Jesus juke. Oh, well, didn't he say something about a speck and a, and a log? Don't you, if I ever catch anybody using that, I will come after you. I'm not giving you ammunition how to get out of that because that's not a good way to get out of that. Just stop doing what you're doing. Be like, you're right, let's pray, pray for me. That's a good response. But I'm just saying, I mean, we should be able to have those kind of conversations with those people that are in our life. Do you know their testimony? Like whenever I do, whenever somebody asks me to do a wedding and what I do is I require some premarital counseling and we kind of just sit down and we start to walk through marriage, we start to walk through that relationship with, with each other, with Christ, those type of things. The first thing that I always ask is this, do you know each other's testimonies? And I can't tell you the amount of men and women who I've got to counsel and say, you know what, I've never heard that. And I'm thinking, ah. Oh. So that's always the starting point. I mean, let, let, me hear, let me hear your face story. Do they know it? Could they tell me their, your face story? I believe that your spouse should know that about you. Oh, because that's the greatest story that you get to tell day in and day out. That's the greatest story that you get to claim day in and day out. And that's just another way to be able to teach. That's another way to be able to teach. Like, like I, I tell my boys my faith story. Like, We'll just be off. We'll just be doing our thing. I'll just, I'll just kind of share with them. Hey, buddy. This is, and I'll just tell them the story of what Jesus did in my life. I want them to know we should do that. We should ask those questions. We should know. And I know there's just a, a lie that kind of has just been planted out there that, that, we, that I believe that we believe too easily. And there's always just two things you don't talk about, religion and politics, right? You talk about anything else, but don't talk about religion and politics. And I just think that's a lie from from Satan that we believe. God has called us to assess, to look, to find out, to ask, to talk, to have conversation. There's nothing wrong with asking those type of questions. And hear me, the motivation for that had better be love. The motivation for that should be love. So it goes on and says this, teach them what? Teach them what? To observe the things that I've commanded you. See, we need to know what he has commanded we need to know what he has said, what he expects, what he calls us to. And church, the only way that we can do that is through knowing his word. The only way that we can know, we can teach them is we've got to know what to be teaching. We've got to know his word. We've got to know what he said. See, it's, it's like this. It's like we can't teach what we don't know. And my fear is that far too many Christians don't know much when it comes to the word of God. Far too many believers who take the name of Jesus doesn't really know what God's for and what God's against. Doesn't really have a right, good understanding of how to even articulate the gospel, how to even talk about it much. And it breaks my heart. I and mean, we should know, and I'm not talking about if you have a Bible college degree or don't have a Bible college degree. I'm not talking about if you've been in Sunday school for 50 years or not. It's that, that, irrelevant to this. Yes. But because who is Jesus? Jesus is talking to his disciples. He's not talking to a bunch of pastors up there on the hill. He doesn't have a bunch of deacons over here crowded around. All right, boys, let me tell you what to be. He doesn't have like a women's group leader over here. All the women's group leaders in Spartanburg County, come on down. Let me tell you what you're to be doing. No, no, he's just talking about those men that he's invested in for those three and a half years. Those men that he's called to himself, that he's walked with, that he's been intentional with, that he's been relational with, teaching and modeling and showing how to. And so we've got to teach people to observe all that he's commanded. And so I just love, I love this, like one of the good places to go, if if you ever want to know where to start or how how to get into that, I think think Matthew chapter 5, the sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. You're going to walk away from here today being like, wow, that guy. But let me tell you about a better one. That was a joke. Okay, I'll scratch that from the notes. Knew better. Knew better. But no, the greatest sermon ever taught. You want to know the heart of Jesus. You want to know what Jesus is about. Matthew chapter 5. It goes through chapter seven, the Sermon on the Mount, whereby he gathers his disciples and this crowd comes along as he comes along. He begins to teach. He begins to share with them what to do. He says, blessed are. And he tells them how to be blessed. And I'm not talking about like making a lot of money or having a lot of success. I, it's, it's, countercultural is what he's going to say. Everything is in opposition of what the current world and day would say is, is, is blessing and would say is, uh, is victory and would say is success. And so he does that for about 11 chapters, and then he goes on to tell them about the salt and light, that you're salt of the world, that you're light in the dark world. And and then Jesus goes on and he talks about him being the fulfillment of the law, that Jesus came to fulfill the law and and to be what what the law could never be and do. And then he goes on and he talks about don't don't be angry with people, because that's like committing murder if you have anger in your heart towards someone. He goes on and he says this, don't commit sexual immorality. Don't look at, lust, look at lust with someone in your heart. He goes on and he talks about divorce. He talks about oaths. He talks about retaliation. He talks about loving your enemies. Man, that's very countercultural, is it not? I don't get mad, I get even. Great words to live by, is it not? No, it's not. Why? Because Jesus never taught that. Jesus says, you want to get even, you love them like I love them. Ah, that'll throw a wrench in things, will it Not? You got some yo-yo out there being a fool and acting crazy and all against you and doing this and doing that. And then what do you do? You bake them some cookies. You take them over something nice. You cut their grass. You, uh, whatever. Wash their car. I mean, I don't, I mean, what are they up to? That crazy fool out there washing my car. I can't stand him. Can you stand him, honey? No, neither can I. What is he doing? How God can use that, and what He'll work and do in that. But He teaches those type of things. He goes on; He talks about in that uh, giving to the needy. I mean, giving to the needy. He talks about the Lord's prayer that's just going to bless our heart. That's going to help us love Him all the more and remind us of how great and good He is. There, not to be anxious. Is that not a message that needs to be preached in our world today? I mean, don't don't worry about it. I mean, you press into the Lord. He's got this moment. He's got this situation. He's going to walk with you. He's going to be there. Don't be, I mean, we live in the most anxious, crazy day, do we not? He goes on and he talks about judging others. He talks about asking, it'll be given. He talks about motive there and that. He says, do unto others that you have do, uh, them do to you, the golden rule that we know. Enter the way to eternal life because many don't enter that way. He talks about the narrow and wide gates there. He, he talks about a tree and its fruit. He gives that dreadful Scary truth of on that day saying, I never knew you. Talks about that there. And then he ends the greatest sermon ever, ever taught with build your house on the rock. I mean, the foundation matters. The foundation, because if the foundation is shaky, the house will be shaky. The house will fall. It'll, it'll come down. So, so he teaches those things. there. So that's a great place to start. If you've got kids, start there. If you've got a, a, a co-worker that you're trying to walk with and share, begin reading the Sermon on the mat, Matthew chapter 5 allow God to work and do there. And there's these these commands that kind of have pulled from there that I think will help us grow even arguments. Well, I'm a good person compared to who? And don't we always kind of go that route? Like our bum neighbor whoever who kicks his dog three times a week and throws out his trash in the lawn. I I don't know. I mean, we always look for somebody that's not quite as far along as we are. And when we base our goodness on them, we base our holiness and righteousness on the unrighteous and the unholy. That's kind of the game we play in the place we go. And what Jesus comes and he busts that whole thing up. Your good works is not good enough. That's, the law is not to save you and rescue you. The law was to show you that you can't. I don't care how good you are. Why, because he says that if you break one, then you're guilty of them all. That's what Jesus teaches and what he says. So it's great that you're knocking the one out of 613 out. But now you just got 612 to knock out of the park. By the way, you've already messed up on some of them, so you're just guilty of them all. You, you can't get back out ahead of that. And like the whole good works thing, like how do we know we've, we've put enough in to be good enough works to get in? And what I love is that Jesus just eradicates that crazy thinking. And says, no, 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 it's through faith. It's through faith. Another one, as we talked about in the gospel, is that, that Jesus says that sin separates people from God. But that sin is forgivable. The sin is forgivable. And we, we know that that happens through the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Another one that we talked about a few weeks ago, that we're to love God. We're to love God with everything in us and we're to love our neighbor as ourself. I mean, that's a great place to start, is it not? Man, to teach people in your life, man, I'm just, I'm just trying to love God with everything in me. I'm just, and how do you do that? You, you know his word. You, you obey his word. You follow out his word. You, you live like he would live. You do like he would do. And then prayer, man, another great place of, for something for us to teach and to be about is, is he taught his followers to do what? To pray. Well, because there's power in prayer, y'all. I'm telling you right now, you, you want to shake the foundation of this world, you begin to pray. You, you, you begin to pray and you begin to seek and you be fervent in prayer. Man, I I grew up in a day and age where, man, they were like prayer warriors. Like, I, I don't know what's happened to us in today's world, but like that's kind of like slipped away. And so what we're hoping to do is we're hoping to get, we want to amp that thing back up, yo. Like, like we, we want hell shaking at the reality of his saints praying and seeking him. His saints crying out to him. You want to see a move of God? Get on your face. You want to see God do some awesome, amazing things and shake this world, flip it upside down, uh, just radically uh, do a mighty work in our community, in our world? You begin on your face, on your knees, in the silence before the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you begin to plead and you begin to beg. That person, you ta- we're talking about sharing your faith is the first key, and we've, we've put names out there on that board or little uh, initials of people out there on that board. Uh, uh, you want to see them come to faith? You begin to pray now. You begin to pray often and always, and you see what God does. If he doesn't give you opportunity to share, if he doesn't bring people by to share the gospel and to love them and care for them, if, if, he, if you don't see them begin to soften toward their stance of the gospel. And so I think that's a great place to start. Prayer. We pray. And so I just believe that this is done relationally. This go make disciples, baptizing, teaching them to observe. This is done in a few ways. I believe that it's done one-on-one. We see Jesus do it one-on-one. He had a few guys that he was just really closer to and that he would have the opportunity to pull aside and to walk with. We see Jesus, Jesus do it one-on-few. The three that he was closer to, that he would take them off and he would give them opportunity and show them and just talk to them and walk with them. Give them opportunity to ask questions. Give them opportunity to, to try, to, to fail, to, to be successful. You see Jesus do it in small groups. And we're going to dive into all of this more next week. And, and, but you'll see him do it in small groups, but he had his 12. He had his 12 that he was walking with always. That he was checking on always. That he was caring for always. I think another way that this is done is the husband, the man of the house. I think that's something that's just kind of been just pushed to the side in our culture, and our world. It, it, is that the head of the home is, is the man, is the husband. Like, guys, like we're called, we're called to lead our families. We're, we're called to, to be out front, showing and modeling our kids, showing and modeling our, for our wife, caring for our wife in a way that, that is sacrificial at everything. But you don't know how hard she is to. There's not an asterisk in the scripture that says, well, but here, if she's like this, then you need to turn to this page. No, no, no. It says to die to self. But my kids are. I've got crazy kids. We all got crazy kids. We know that. Those of us that have kids, we know that our kids are crazy and everybody else's kids are crazy. That's called parenting. When you join that club, you find that out real quick. If you haven't found that out yet, they're just not old enough yet. Hang tight. It's coming. The craziness is coming. I'm telling you. I promise you. We're called to love and walk with and model and show and disciple our kids, even in the craziness of it. We're called to do that and walk that out and to be that. And hear me, if there's not a man in the house, then, then mom, you've got to step up. Grandparents, you've got to step up. You don't just pass it off or just quit or just check out. No, 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 no. We, we want to walk alongside you and help you. We've got some stuff that we're going to be rolling out here in the next couple of weeks. We'll look more in depth about this. But I think the thing is this, is that we've got to be intentional on in getting back to doing life together. We, we've got to be intentional about getting back and just walking with each other, caring for one another, loving one another. And I know the arguments that come. I know the pushback that comes with this thought of you. you, mean you you're telling me that I, the guy that owns my own business, or, or the single mom working 50 to 60 hours a week just to try to, or the, the grandparents that just want to hit cruise control for now, or the, the dad that's never been to Bible college, or the mom that's never been to Bible college, that, that, that we have to do this? And all I want to tell you is I'm not telling you anything other than what Jesus has already said. It's not me, it's him. And the moment that He awakened you to the need of him, in that, that's what comes with this. You, you know how we talk about. when you come to Jesus, you don't get all the riches and glory and the fame and the great stuff we, we talk about it's going to be difficult. It's going to be a cost. It's going to be tough. It's not just puppy dogs and butterflies whenever you come to faith, but that it's a battle, it's a fight. It's dying to self. This is dying to self. This is dying to self, and this is what Jesus says. Count the cost. Count the cost. And, and I think the thing that gets me is that, that I know that one day he will call me home, and when he calls me home, he's going to look at me, and he's going to say, why did you or why did you not? I'm mean, going to let that sink in for a moment. One, I believe he's going to say that to me as, as the man of the house Two, I believe he's going to say that to me as a follower of his, as a disciple maker. And three, I believe he's going to say that to me as the lead shepherd of his, of his flock, of his bride. Why did you, why did you not? And so I think we just need to fill that weight for a moment. We just need to let that sink in for a second. And we need to take it serious. We need to take it very, very serious because I don't believe that whatever good excuse that we can come up with will be sufficient to, to be like oh okay you're right Scott you're right I forgot it was so hard for you in 2022 or back in 20 there was that pandemic thing that me and the Holy Spirit we forgot to talk about and all, there it comes oh out of, how did that get there oh Holy Spirit were you right no, no absolutely not. no, no we, we were made for a day like this we were created for this time for this day Man, church, how we could shine in this world, making this. Do you know the questions that people have got? Do you know the hurt and the hangups that they're experiencing? And we have the opportunity to step in and walk right with, knowing the answer. I mean, this is like, this is like the, the ninth inning, uh, two outs, full count, knowing what the pitch is going to be. And we can swing away for the fence because God has created us for a day in a time like this. And so where I land with this whole making disciples, not making disciples, and, and where I, I want to I press you for a moment, then I want to end with some encouragement. Where I want to press you is, is this. I believe that we are as far along as we want to be. You are as close to Jesus Christ today as you want to be. If I'm reading Scripture right, and, and I, welcome, I welcome the pushback. I mean, after this, see me in the lobby. Well, I would love to talk more about this and, and help, me, help me understand and correct me. But, but from what I see in scripture, I am as far along in my relationship with Jesus as I want to be. I mean, he's given me the Holy Spirit living in me. He's given me his word. He's given me example after example after example, just in his word. Not to mention, I don't know if you're aware, we've got this like, is like, it 5G now? I mean, we could pull out our phone and we could Google and we can search. Now, not all that stuff's good, but we could Google and we could search something and find out how to do something. The example I give a couple weeks ago is I could change the motor in my car. And I'm not a car dude. I know it's got lug nuts and I know where the oil goes and the gas. I can lock it and unlock it. That's about it. Windshield wipers. Fluid goes there. That's it. But I could Google and change the motor in my car if I had the right equipment. That's the day and age we live in and church is no different for us spiritually. No different for us spiritually. So I believe we're as far along as we want to be. We've, we've positioned and put ourselves and we've, we've, we've sought after and we've tried as much as we want to be. I, I believe what happens is it just gets difficult and it just gets hard and the outcome isn't what we think it's going to be and so what we do is we just disengage or we check out or we just eye ah, when I can get to it. And so the game plan, here, here's the game plan. I want, to put, I want to put it on the screen for you here just to kind of, kind of show you like, like where, where we're going to be, what, what, the, what the heart is, what, what we're going to be rolling out to you here in the upcoming weeks is so we're going to have a ministry fair February 13, 20, and 27. I think it's in the bulletin right now. But what that is going to mean is this, is we're going to have tables set up out in our lobby and in the hallways right here with all of our ministries. All of, our, all of the opportunities for you to be involved, all the opportunities for you to be equipped, all the opportunities for you to learn and grow. We're going to have a ministry fair, we want you to be a part of it. We want you to come early. We want you to stay late. We want you to talk to people. We want you to ask questions. We want you to, to hear and see and know. We're going to have sign-ups where if you're interested in a certain ministry, you can sign up. We'll contact you. We'll tell you more about it. I mean, we want you to be involved. Why? Because we believe that you've got something great to offer to the family. We don't want you just sitting in a seat week in and week out. We don't want you just putting some money in a, we don't do plates anymore, in some boxes on the walls week in and week out. We we want you to give your life away. We want you to to rub shoulders with people in this room and help us advance, help us to, to grow and mature in our walk. Man, we want to see the gospel taken to the upstate, to the nations. Another thing that we're going to be working on is this, is that we're going to be doing some parent resource rollout. Starting February 20th, what's going to happen is this, is that we're going to have a a disciple packet for you every week for what your kids are learning, what they're hearing back there uh, in in their time together uh, as they're being taught, as they're worshiping. There's going to be questions and a recap of the story and an opportunity for you to to be able to sit down in the evening. And you don't have to be a great theologian, but just to sit down in the evening as you're eating and just ask your kids some questions. Like last week, I loved it. Like last week, I've I tried to do this the best I can. And I've got to be careful because I can get real like preachy ery preachery, yeah. And I've just got to be very, very careful. And so we're just sitting there and we're eating. I'm like, all right, all right, guys, what did we learn this week in church? There was these three guys in the fire. Oh, Bennett, like my middle dude, like he's just like, because I think he's got like a little pyro in him. And so I'm just like... Maybe we need to dial that back Thank goodness they didn't have any illustrations last week. It was just storytelling. So he's like, yeah, Dad, there, there was these three guys in the fire. I'm like, really? He said, yeah. Oh, yeah. And his like, eyes are lighting up. Shemak, brak, brag and jadrak. I said, what? And I, like, I thought he was talking in tongues for a second. I'm like, dang, they are doing some stuff back there. Them. I'm like, you're kidding. Who was that? That was God. And like just the wonder. and amaz- I mean, that's discipleship. Yeah, what we're, we're affirming what they've been heard by there, and they're getting to teach and tell me back. Man, the stuff that their little brains and minds soak up. I mean, it's just it's amazing. Like, like, but we want to help you take it a step further and ask some of those questions. And maybe you don't know how to do that, or maybe you get a little uncomfortable with, and, and so we just want to give you a resource that's going to help you there. So that'll be rolling out February 20th also life groups we're going to launch out some life groups that's going to happen the first week of march because they're at the ministry fair we're going to have tables set up for small groups for life groups we're calling life groups and life groups happen on a sunday morning at nine o'clock or they can happen on a tuesday night at six or they can happen on a on a thursday night at whatever they can even happen like on a, on a wednesday morning at, at 10 if you want it to but we're going to roll out some life I and mean, his group meets there just right over here in this hallway and they're just getting in God's word, asking questions, walking it out. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to do life together. We're going to figure out, figure out who God is and walk with him and let him just work on us and, and love one another well. So we've got that coming. And then another thing that we're looking to do is, is I don't know about you, but, but being a parent's tough. Being a parent's tough. And so, so we've been talking a little bit about like how, can, how can we help equip parents more? And so we're going to have parent nights coming where we just have opportunities to gather. And, and we're going to want, we want to know what are some of those tough topics? that you as a parent struggle with to maybe talk to your kids. Like, I had that question, y'all, the other day. My fourth grader asked me that question. And if you don't know what that question is, husbands, turn to your wife and ask them, because your day's coming too. My fourth grader in the car asks me that. And so what do I do? I say, ask mom, she would love to tell you. (laughs) That would be me putting on my responsibility and opportunity, right? because I'm called to lead and I want to lead in it. I want, my, I want my boy to know. Like I want to do it in a way that honors God and I want him to know and so I had the opportunity to have, and y'all, the, the, when the lights came on about what that was, oh man, I don't think we have to worry about that for a while. So, but, but, we, but we want to give you resources and we want to help you and we want to walk with you through that. So we're going to do some things like that. We're looking at doing some marriage stuff down the road. I mean like how can we, how can we equip couples? How can we help couples? How can we strengthen couples? Because I believe that's where Satan tries to attack. Man, he wants you to hate your wife. Wife, he wants you to hate your husband. He wants you to think of him as a big loser and a bum and is not ever good at nothing. And, not do, and, he, and he wants you to think that your wife is whatever. Like he wants to plant that in your heart, in your mind. He wants that to be on repeat. Well, because if he can destroy the home, I mean, the havoc that he can create. So we're wanting to roll out different things like that to help us, to equip us. And then what we see here at the end is the band comes back up as this. And I just think this is the great encouragement that we forget. And and, and it may seem overwhelming and it may seem tough. And hear me, it is overwhelming and it is tough. And so if you're feeling that, you're at the right place. You're at the right good place if that's what you're feeling. Because I think the moment you think you've got it licked or you're just knocking it out of the park, you need to be on guard. And this is what Jesus promises here at the end of this verse. And he says, "And, and lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of age. Amen. Think about that for a moment. Man, when we come to faith, what happens? We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. See, they, they haven't had this happen yet. This is, about, this is about to become real for them over in the book of Acts. Here, here in just a, a few weeks for them, they're going to really understand what Jesus talks about when he says, hey, remember, I'm going to be with you forever. He's also going to be with them, he's going to be in them. And, and what we see happen in the book of Acts is as the Holy Spirit falls on the people of God, man, they begin to work and do something far greater than them. That's something far greater than they, they're able to do on their own or can even think of or dream of. So, so this morning as I talk with you, as I press you, as I beg of you, man, make disciples. You can do it. How I know you can do it is because you've got the Holy Spirit in you if you're His. If you've met that first requirement of being born again, you can do it because He's called you to do it. If He's called you to do it, He's going to give you what you need to be able to do it. And the greatest thing He's going to give you is His presence in you. The Holy Spirit living in you, guiding you, directing you, helping you have conversation. I guarantee you, God will do His part if you do yours. If you just lay down your yes and you just be obedient to what He's called you to. So, two questions I want to ask here at the end is this. The first place has got to start with the gospel. Church, it always starts with the gospel for us. Did you share the gospel this week? Did you share the gospel this week? I and mean, maybe, who do you need to share the gospel with this week? Who do you need to have gospel conversation with? Who do you need to ask, maybe, in your circle? I and mean, tell me a little bit about, about your faith story. I Man, I would love to hear, hear your faith story. I Man, have, you have you shared the gospel? And if not, maybe you're not at that place yet. Maybe you're trying to figure it out. We've got these on the tables out there. I'd love for you to just to write the initials of someone that, that we can pray for. Because what happened this week is I went out there and I was in that lobby. And as I was in that lobby, I was just looking at that board. I said, You know what, God, right there, cover it. And I put my hand on it and I just prayed, God, with every one of those post-it notes, God, you start to soften the hearts of these people that are on. It. I don't even know who they are, they're just letters. But God knows. And God's aware, and he knows that you're going to be praying. He knows that we as a church are going to... God's going to do a work. I, I'm excited to see how many people he's going to save on that board this year. So there's an opportunity. Next thing is this. Who are you teaching? I mean, who have you taught this week? Intentionally, unintentionally? I mean, because we're, the reality is We're all making disciples. The question is of what? The question is how? Intentionally, unintentionally? What are you teaching them? What do you need to do to go further, to further along in your relationship where you can start to teach them some of the truths of God? Do you just need, to, just need to just dive in? you just need to start? Man, we would love to get you resource on, on, on some guides to help you read through the scriptures. Man, reach out to us, our emails, Facebook, send us messages, whatever, call us up here. Man, we'll get you what you need to help you. Shoot, we've got people right now waiting to walk with people and to do this. Let us know we would love to hook you up with somebody that will help you walk, walk out this in your life. We'll just submit, die, and follow. Father, help us this morning in this place. Hear your word, do a work. Father, I pray for the heart here this morning that maybe doesn't know you as Lord and Savior. Father, that you would rescue, that you would redeem, that you would just bring to their attention their great need for you. So God, just, just work like only you can. Father, I ask, I beg in this moment, do be for us all that we need. Then we pray. Amen.